Once upon a time, there was a man named Solomon who built a mighty temple. But before long, the people of Judah turned away from God and began to worship foreign gods and idols. One day, God allowed the Babylonians to attack Judah and destroy the whole city, including God's temple. The people of Judah remained in captivity until one day, God raised up the prophet Haggai to inspire the people to get back to work, saying, The time is now. All right, so today we wrap up uh, our series, The Time Is Now, and we've been just talking about a lot of things. I don't know if you've kind of caught on this year, but, but really the, there's been a theme that we've been working through. And, and the theme kind of started that there are changes that need to happen in our lives. And we started out with this, with the series that kind of walked us through the eight principles of recovery, because I, I believe that we all need that in, in some way. We all have a hurt. We all have a hang up. We all have a habit that we need to, to allow God to change in us. And so we've kind of worked through that and we've just worked through series that have kind of pushed us along to, to really see God do some changes in our lives. And so this series kind of follows it up that, hey, listen, it's time to do some things. The time is now to, to move forward. And we find here that as we look at this uh, account of, of, of Haggai and, and all the things that, um, that he brought to the people, there's some pretty interesting things for us. And so um, if you haven't been here, we want to just kind of let me catch you up a little bit like about what's happened. The, the book of Haggai, is in, it's in the Old Testament. He was a minor prophet, and uh, God used him to bring a message to the people, uh, uh, the, to the Israelites that needed, they needed to hear what he was saying. And so uh, here's where the kind of the situation is. And in 587 BC, King Nebuchadnezzar of the Babylonians comes and he takes over um, Judah. He takes over the people and he's got them in captivity. Um, and uh, not only does he take them into captivity, kind of breaking them down by that, he also comes in and he wipes out uh, this, uh, the, the temple that King Solomon had built uh, to, for God. This, um, this elaborate, beautiful place that became the center of their, their focus in on God. And so he comes in and he destroys it. Then he, for 50 years, he takes them hostage, and basically, and takes them into captivity, and he takes them out of their land, and he holds them, and, and really just brings them down. But then, after that 50 years, they send uh, some, some of them back to begin to rebuild the city and rebuild uh, their lives. And so one of the first things that they wanted to do was rebuild the temple. They felt they had been wanting for 50 years while they were in captivity, to get back and rebuild this temple, to rebuild their focus on God and really get them back on track, right? And so for a lot of us, we can kind of identify we've maybe got away from God. Some of us, we went off to college and maybe lived our lives a certain way and got out. And then it was kind of like, okay, well, we need to refocus on God. And, and so, um, so like, um, like a lot of us do, we, want, we find these times where we want to refocus on God but that refocus doesn't last very long because life comes along and it kind of gets us off track. It's the way it happened with them. Uh, the, the Jews came, they wanted to rebuild it, but then what happened, first off, the Samaritans came and they kind of gave them a bunch of, uh, of trouble about it and they quit, right? So the first time they got some opposition, they quit, right? Anybody, uh, you know, first time somebody tells you that, you know, makes fun of you for trying to live your life right and then you're like, ah, I'm not putting up with this, you know, I'm gonna forget it. I'm not gonna do it, it's not worth it. 
Um, so that's kind of what happened to them. So they give up. Then they, they, God kind of speaks to them, gets them back on track. And then after about a month, they give up again. And so we find that God hangs in there, keeps, keeps working with them, keeps pushing them. And so that's kind of where we find ourselves today. And we, we're going to kind of look at something that I think a lot of us deal with. Because this third time, they found that they were trying to do what God told them to do, but they weren't seeing the progress that they thought was going to happen. Right? For some of us, we, we kind of are like that. We think that if we will just, man, if we'll just go to church, our lives are going to get better. Right? If I just go to church, God's going to, he's going to take care of everything. Oh, if I just pray that prayer, God's going to take care of everything. Oh, if I'll just act right, you know, if I don't cuss no more, you know, uh, God, it'll be good. And what we find is often that then when things don't get any better, we, we give up. And again, we turn our backs on God. God comes in, he's trying to, to do some things in our lives and And we just aren't willing to hang in there long enough to see it happen. For a lot of us, it's with our marriages. We we know our marriage is in trouble. And so for about a week, we try to do the right thing. And when the other one doesn't respond, well, we quit. Because I tried. No, you didn't. You know, you just acted different for a little bit. It's not a change of who you are. It's not a change. You know, we can change behavior, but it's got to be deeper than that. And that's kind of what God's dealing with those folks here in what we're going to talk about today. He really begins to pull out one of the big problems that they have. We see that he, he brings it up that there's, there's a, a conditional problem that they have. And it's called conditional obedience. The, the, the problem is conditional obedience. Now, that's the way it works for us. It's very conditional. We're willing to be obedient as long as things are going our way. As long as God's blessing us, as long as we're not having any trouble, man, he's doing everything that he's supposed to do for us, we're good. We'll, we'll do what he wants. But the moment things don't go our way, we tend to kind of say, you know what? Well, I, let me just do it myself. Or, or, or why should I live like that when he's not even going to do what I want him to do anyway? And we get this really messed up mindset and we get this big problem, this conditional obedience to God. God, if you'll just deliver, man, I'll I'll do whatever. But the moment that he doesn't, you know, it doesn't work out. The moment that he asks us to do something that makes us a little uncomfortable. Like, whoa, 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 God, hold on. I I, I said I would do whatever you wanted, but... I wanted it to be what I wanted, not what you wanted. You know, I, I'm, I have my own weaknesses when it comes to being obedient, just like us all. You know, we try to uh, follow through, but there's just sometimes things that, you know, when God, we know he's asking us to do something, and uh, we tend to, to tend to turn our backs on it, tend to not follow through, tend to not let it happen because it's not exactly what we want it to happen. Um, I, I like to kind of call it um, $5 versus $100 obedience, right? It's really easy to obey God if he asks us for $5. It's a whole nother game if he asks us for $100, right? You go through the drive through in Bojangles and you're like, you know, God says, you need to pay for that person behind you, right? I mean, you've heard my story. I, I love going through and just paying for people behind me. It's kind of cool, and I, but I try to be obedient. I try to listen, 
don't do it every time. I just try to do it whenever God says, hey, you need to do it. And so when he does, I, I do it. But, you know, there's a lot of times where he tells me to do it, and I, I say, yeah, I'm going to do it. Man, do I hope they don't get much. I mean, you know, when you say, hey, I want to pay for theirs, and they say, oh, okay, that'll be $2.57. Yes. Whip that. Get it. Give them that debit card. There you go. And then when it's like $10.87, you're like, mm, man, you know, what they get? They need to go on a diet. Seriously, one time I was, I was doing it. This is no joke. I was in line, and a van pulled up behind me. And yeah, it was a passenger van. And I was like, oh, man. And I mean, I knew I was supposed to. And I did. And you know what? It was like $5 and something. I don't know. I got lucky. That's what, right? Isn't that what we say? Like, I got lucky. No, God, God just wanted to know, was I willing to do whatever he said? If it had been $100, I, I'd have paid $100 because I knew that's what I was supposed to do. But, but there have been times where I've had that $100 in my pocket and God said, here, you need to bless that person. And you're like, okay. And you pull out like a $5 bill. And he's like, no, I want you to give them whatever's in your pocket. Whoa. Hold on. Because I know what's in my pocket. And, and so... There's a whole different thing when, when, we, when it comes to giving $5 or giving $100. Really, that's what kills people when it comes time for offering in a church. It's like, you know, I'm good dropping a 20 in there. Here you go, God, here's a tip. But when he says, hey, give me a tenth of what you got this week, that's a real challenge to a lot of us. Because we know we got bills, we know we got things. And listen, those are, those, are, those are things you and he have to wrestle with. I, I'm not wrestling with you on it. I'm just going to do what he tells me to do, and, and I'm going I'm, I'm to do the best that I can to follow through with that on what, on what I believe he's telling me. But it comes down to our obedience. And this is sometimes when we're, when we're fighting this battle, just like the folks here, they were fighting the battle. They said, God, you know, we're trying to get this thing done for you, but it ain't, work, it ain't going the way we thought it was. You know, that was going to go. It's not happening as fast as I thought it would happen. It's not looking the way that I thought it was going to look. It's not doing what I thought it was going to do. And before long, we find ourselves very discouraged and we give up and we quit. And God's not calling us to be obedient as long as it's comfortable and it it works the way we want it to be. See, sometimes you're just not going to like your spouse. But the obedience isn't whether you like them or not. The obedience is, is that you made a covenant in, the, in that day where you stood before God and, and everybody else and you said you were going to do it. And so just because you don't like them that day doesn't mean that you get, you're off the hook. No, it's some days, those are days you got to work even harder at it. You got to hang in there. When it comes to getting out of debt, it's like, well, God, but, but you know, God, I can't put that extra towards the debt because, you know, I really, I really want that new dress. No, it, that new dress may have to wait if God's got you working towards getting out and being in a better place financially. Many of us find, you know, if, if you're like me with your kids, you know, your kids have selective hearing. Like they hear what they want to hear sometimes and hear it the way that they want to hear it, right? Some of y'all are like, well, that, and I, I think that's how my husband is too, right? 
But, but, the, but the reality of it is, is we do that to God. We hear him the way that we want to hear him, no matter what he's saying to us. And so I want to encourage us today to begin to, to stop hearing things the way that we want to hear them and just hear them the way that he's saying them. Whatever it is and however it is and wherever it may take you, that the, the obedience that he's looking for is not to be factored in on how everything else goes, but on what he says for us to do. And that's a very difficult place to be, but it is the right place to be. Many times we, we love to hear the scriptures. We, it, was even, it was even read out for, the, for the, the graduates today that we love to hear that God has a hope and a plan and a future for us. We love to hear that he doesn't want to harm us. And we love to hear how things are good, but the moment that things seem to not be like that, we, we want to give up on him. We say, you know, God, I really want to do what you say. And then he says, yeah, well, forgive your enemies. Oh, well, pray for your enemies. Oh, okay, well, I'll pray for them. God, I hope you kill them today. That's how we usually pray for them, right? But that's not the prayer he's looking for. He's looking for the prayer that you pray for them to be blessed, to, to, be, to be all that he wants them to be. We often want God to do things for us, but we have a hard time being obedient and really following through because it, it may not be what we want it to be. God does not give us an option to consider. The things that he asks us to do are not options that we get to choose if we want to do it or not. The, the Bible is not a, a book of, hey, do this if you want to's. No, it's, a, it's commandments. They are commands to be followed. And we have to be very careful that we, that we see them that way and not see them as just optional. Sin is something that finds its way into all of our lives that keeps us from being able to hear God the way that we should. That, that we should. And, and there's a very corruptive part of that. And there's a corruptive power of sin that really keeps us from hearing what he wants us to here. Sin will work its way into your lives and, and it will begin to corrupt and, and it will break down everything that God has put into you. That's why graduates, listen, you got to listen. You got to hear what your parents have been teaching you all these years because there's a very corruptiveness that gets in the way when we get out of, you know, and out from under the kind of the protective wing of our parents. And it will have a tendency to want to pull you and break you down and turn you into something that God didn't intend for you to be. But here's the, the Jews were wanting to rebuild the temple and they were wanting to do it, but when it didn't go the way they want, man, they began to just, you know, find other things to worship. They began to find other places to be and they began to find other things to do. And so today I want to spend some time just kind of breaking through this. It's, it's a very deep, tough subject, but I want us to get into it um, as best we can and understand in the end that God's got something for all of us in it. We find in the second chapter of, of Haggai in verse 11, this is what the Lord of heaven's armies says. And he says to Haggai, he says, ask the priest this question about the law. If one of you is carrying some meat 
from a holy sacrifice in his robes. Now, what, what he's saying is they would, they would take this, the, when the priests would go in, because they had to go in and, and present these sacrifices for the people, the people couldn't go straight to God, they had to go through the priests. So they would take this in these elaborate robes, and they would wrap this, this meat up that had been sacrificed, and they would wrap it up um, and carry it in into the, into the temple to, to be, to be um, turned over and, and kind of given as a sacrifice to God. And he says to them, he says, ask one of them, if, if you're carrying some meat from a holy sacrifice in your robe and, and happens to brush against some bread or stew, wine or olive oil or any other kind of food, uh, will it become holy? With, if you have this holy meat that's been sacrificed and you've you got your holy robe on and if you brush up against something else, will it become holy is what he's asking. You know, will the holiness rub off? Right? Will, will that happen? And the priests say, no, that, that won't happen. You know, it's like having a, a dirty plate, you know, and you just washed your hands. It's like if your hands are clean and you touch the dirty plate, does it become clean? No, you got to clean. Your hands might get dirty, but the plate ain't going to get clean because your hands are clean. See, so he's asking them this question, and they say, no, it doesn't work that way. And so he says then, Haggai asked, he said, if someone becomes ceremonially unclean by touching a dead person and then touches any of these foods, will the food be defiled? And the priest answered, yes. So if, somebody, but, so if your hands are dirty and you touch the clean plate, guess what? The plate gets dirty, doesn't it? Right? So he's asking them, he's getting this picture in their head that, hey, if your hands are clean and you touch something dirty, does it become clean? No. But if you, your hands are dirty and you touch something clean, does it become dirty? Yes. You see how that kind of works, right? It, it goes that way and he's getting their attention. That's the, that's the corruptive power of sin, how it, how it comes off and works that way. Paul says it in this way in the New Testament. He says, bad company corrupts good character. If you, if you hang out... With people who have bad character, guess what? It's a whole lot easier for their bad character to get on you than it is for your good character to get on them. Right? I had that conversation with my daughter this week. We were kind of talking through some things. And I said, listen, you, know, you got to be careful because, you know, it's a whole lot easier. If you're trying to help somebody out of a ditch, it's a whole lot easier to get pulled into the ditch than it is to pull somebody up out of the ditch. You with me? And so you got to be very careful. I'm not telling you don't hang around people who, you know, who, who struggle, have, but so don't, don't hear me saying that because we got to love everybody as ourselves. And then the gospel has got to go forward. So we need to have people around us that, that don't have good character. But you got to be very careful because that character can certainly rub off on your good character. It happens many times. I've seen many, 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 many marriages be pulled apart because people allowed other people to get in there and that, and that bad character corrupted, you know, the good of that relationship. It happens. You got to be very careful. It's kind of like working, you know, working through relationships with kids and, and all that stuff. It's just, it's tough. Haggai goes on and he responded to them saying, yes, th that is how it is with his people and this nation, says the Lord. 
everything they do and everything they offer is defiled by their sin. See, they were trying to do all this stuff, and they were trying to do the right thing. They were trying to be obedient, but they weren't really trying to live their lives the way that God wanted them to. They weren't living out focused on him and who he is and, and didn't put him first in everything that they did. And so it, it happens. Everything that you do will be wrong if, if your heart isn't right with God. See, we can do a lot of good things as a church, but if we don't do it with the right heart, I'm telling you, it won't, it won't be right. We can feed the neighborhood, but if we just do it so people will talk about us, that's not the right heart. If we'll feed people so they'll talk about God and we'll put him first and we'll make sure people see him and everything that we do, then that's the right heart. And sometimes I think that churches get so focused on who they are and on, on the name on the sign out front that it becomes more about that than it does about the one who's head of the church. That's supposed to be the head of the church. So we have to be very careful why we do what we do. The Bible says that if you... If you're going to church, you know, if you're going to come and you're going to bring a gift to the church, if you're going to give financially to the church or whatever, and you know that somebody's got a problem with you, he says, first leave that, go to them, fix the problem, and then come back and give it. Leave it, go fix it, and come back and then give it. You know, because sometimes it's kind of, we, when we give like that, it's kind of like it is with our kids. You know, you got two kids and they're arguing with each other. And what happens is you say, you know, go tell them you're sorry. What do they do? I'm sorry. Sorry. No, tell them like you mean it. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> right? Go over there and hug them. Tell them you're Sorry. Sorry. I mean, do you think they're really sorry? Right. Some of y'all know. Y'all seen that way too many times. Yeah. Well, love you. Love you too. I mean, seriously, we posted rules in our house this week. We posted them on the refrigerator. And even... Even my mother-in-law, who um, is, you know, is in her room most of the time, even come, came down the other day and got my girls together and said, here, you need to read this. <laughs> I mean, I'm just saying. It can get bad sometimes. And you tell them to do it right, and you're like, okay, sorry. But that's how we are, though. We've got to understand that's how we are with God. Many times when we know we're wrong, we come to him and we say, God, I'm sorry I did that. But we're not really sorry. If we were sorry, we wouldn't do it again. Or we would at least do everything we could to not do it again. And he's saying to the people here, hey, you know, you want, you want things to be the way they, that you want them to be? You want to see the blessings come the way that they're to be? Then it's time to get focused in on me and not on everything else. The time's now to get focused on God in your life about who he is, who he wants you to be, and how he wants you to be it. 
Man, I'm telling you, this has been kicking my tail all week. It's how things go sometimes. And so God comes and he reminds his people of this. That he reminds them of who it is that, that he wants them to be and reminds them of what it takes. And so God reminds his people. Here it says in verse 15, look at what is, was happening to you before you began to lay the foundation of the Lord's temple. He says, listen, think about where you were before you had an opportunity to begin to rebuild this thing. Think about where you were. They were in captivity. Things were bad. And so they come and they, he says, think about it. Look at where you were. Then verse 16, he says, when you you hope for 20 bushel crop, you harvested only 10. When you expected to draw 50 gallons from the wine press, you found only 20. He says, listen, you, you were expecting something before that. You, you think about where you were. You were wanting things to be your way, and you were getting them the way that I was giving them. I mean, you think you're going to get 20 bucks an hour and somebody pays you 20 or pays you 10? Right? That, that kind of bothers you, doesn't it? Like if you thought you were going to get $100 and you got 50, you're like, what's up with that? And that's where these people were. And he's, God's reminding them. Like, listen, before all this, this is where things were. He says, verse 17, he says, I sent blight and mildew and, and hail to destroy everything you worked so hard to produce. God says, you worked your tail off and I sent things in there to kill it and, and to destroy it. And the reason is it didn't happen is because God said it's not going to happen. Now, if I'm honest, I don't, I don't, I don't like that picture of God. Can I just be honest with you? I don't like the, the, the fact that, you know, God says, listen, I didn't let it happen. I, I let bad things come in and, and destroy things that were going on in your life. I, I let things happen to you. Some of us have been dealing with this. Things have been not the way we thought they were going to be. We've been dealing with, ne- you know, kind of negative things in, in our perspective. Hurtful things. Things that we're like, what in the world is going on? God didn't cause those things per se, but he certainly allowed them to happen. That's a difficult picture to see of who God is, but it's true because it's not that he couldn't have stopped it. He didn't because he had a purpose. Why would God do that to us? Why is it? Verse 17, he says, I sent all those things, and even so, you refuse to return to me. There's the reason. Did you catch it? Did you hear what he said? He said, I let those things come in. Let all those things in there, and even then, you still didn't come back to me. You still didn't even look to me. You still didn't even recognize who I was. So the whole reason was is that God was saying, listen, you, you're, you missed the point. You miss why. God may or may not change your negative situation, but God is 
He may not do that because he's trying to change your heart. The reason that things come into our lives and he, he allows them to happen many times is not because he's punishing us. It's not because he's trying to be a mean old God. It's because he's trying to get your attention and my attention to put it back on him. Jesus said the greatest commandment is that what? Who are we to love first? God. To put him first in everything. To love him with all of our heart. To love him with all of our soul and mind and strength. Sometimes things come into our lives not to punish us. Not not to, to beat us up and not for God to just show us just how big he is. Sometimes they come just for us to be pointed back to him. I've seen people go through some of the most difficult situations. I mean, kind of hell on earth kind of things. And just absolutely refuse to look at God. To acknowledge him. To just say, God, I know you're the one that can fix all of this. That God, I know that you are God. And that you're the one that I'm to be dependent on, not not the the substance, not this person, not this place, not this thing. I've seen people put the church ahead of God in their lives, hoping that if they'll just come to church, that things will get better. It it ain't going to happen, y'all. I I would love for that to be the case, that you could just show up here once a week and things will be really peachy and keen in your life. It is important to be here. Because God uses this to grow us and to make us better and to teach us about who he is and to, to, to give us family around us when things are difficult. But really, the most importantly, if you come here and you spend this time, but yet you refuse to acknowledge who God is and to put him first, I'm telling you, mildew's still coming. Hell's still coming. Blight's still coming. Because he says, listen, even so, You still didn't turn to me. God will allow those things to come into our lives to get our attention, to put put it back on on to him. I want to be very careful to say that if you're going through a difficult time, it's not about you being punished. It's not about you. I, I, I can't tell you why. You know, I sat with families this week that lost loved ones. I said, I can't tell you why your 37 year old son died. I can't tell you why this happened today. I mean, I wanted to, right? Because I wanted to bring some peace and I wanted to bring some comfort in there. And I, I wanted to be able to give them a reason. But I couldn't because I don't know what the reason is. God himself is going to have to reveal that over time of why that happened. But what I am going to tell you is whatever you're going through, I, I, I'm going to tell you, the most important thing is that your focus doesn't get on the, the, the things around you. It gets on him. And if you'll begin to trust him more and depend on him more and allow him to be the God that he is, that you read about in the scriptures and, and that we can know him as, then even if you're in the middle of that most difficult thing, you can still have comfort and peace and know that you can trust him through it. It's the only thing that we can hold on to. It's the only, he's the only one. I love the way that he brings it to us in, these, in, these, in this account of, 
of, of something very simple of a, a building project. Because I think that's what our lives are. They're just a building project of, of us being built into who it is that he truly did create us to be. You know, when they, when they quit the first time, he gave them a very simple thing. He said, you know what? Be quiet and go do the work. Right? Be quiet. Get busy. Go, go to the mountains, cut down the tree, and then build the temple. It was very simple. You know? Last week, it was just be strong. Be strong in the midst of everything that you're going through. Hold on. You know, use his strength. He's the one that gives us strength and weakness. Just be strong and do the work. You, you, you kind of see what he's saying? You know, be quiet and get busy. Be strong and get busy. I mean, he's saying, listen, uh, be quiet. Tr trust me and depend on me, and let's get this done. Right, church? You, I mean, are you, do you get that? Like, like that's, he's saying, like, listen, let's quit talking about being a good church. Right? Let's quit talking about how we can be a good church. Let's quit talking about, you know, how weak we are and what we don't have and, and all of that. Let, let's be strong because we got his strength to depend on. And, and let's get busy and let's do the things that he asks us to do. There are people in our community that need the message of Christ. And, and we can talk about how we're going to do it, but, but let's get busy and do it. That means that you and I, wherever we go this week, that we just got to be willing to live it out and we got to be willing to tell people about it. I mean, if we don't live it out, there's really no point in telling them about it because that don't make sense. If we say one thing and we do another, that makes no sense. But what if we just go and we treat people well and we tell them why we treat them well? You see, that's why we talk about you know, it's kind of, we, we kind of broke it down to love God, you know, love, love him, love them, and tell them why. Love God, love others, and share the good news. It's really simple. He's calling us to, to get serious about what it is that he wants us to do. He reminds us. He reminds his people this, that more than anything else, he wants our heart. He wants our heart. Matthew 6, says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added to you. If we give him all of us and we go after him with all we got, then he says that all those things will be added. That's a pretty good deal, right? I told you that if you'll sing like you believe it, I'll preach like I believe it. Right? I thought that's a pretty good deal. I hope I'm doing it. But he says, if you'll seek him first, then he'll give us all the things that we desire. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, the house, you know, up on the cliff overlooking the beach. That, I can't promise that. But if you get it, let me know. I'm, I'll come stay with you. But he is saying, listen, if you'll seek me first, I'll give you the things that bring you peace and comfort in your life. Isn't that what we really want? Isn't that what we're really chasing? I mean, it's pretty peaceful at the beach. I, I'm, I'm with you, and I'll go with you anytime. But the reality is, is that the peace comes 
not from where you are or what's around you. It comes from who's in you. He says, when you seek me with all your heart, you'll find me. Isn't that amazing? The God that created everything said, if you'll just seek me, you'll find me. That's a pretty good deal. See, I think God, I, I like to, some people call him his promises. I call him his deals. He promises us those things, and he kind of makes them a well, thing. Yeah, you follow me, you'll, you'll find, you know, you, you'll see these things happen. If you seek me, you'll find me. If you, if you go after me with all your heart, I'll give you those things. Man, what an incredible thing, but we can't ever do it to get them. See, doing it with all of our heart means that we don't do it so that we get those things. That, it, it means that we do those things because he's already God, that he's already blessed us more than we deserve. We do it because we love him. And so today, I'm, I, think it's, I think it's just time. It's time. Time is now to love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all your strength. The best that you can. If, you're, if you can figure out how to do it perfect, please write a book so I can read it. I mean, there is one book that told me how, and, and I've read it, and, and so I've made that choice, and so I'm doing my best. But he also tells me in there that I can't be perfect. Not without him. Maybe today you just need to realize that You've been trying to do perfection on your own, and today you can't do it on your own, and you need Jesus and the sacrifice that he's made for you to allow that to be what truly brings that perfection into your life. Maybe today you just need to realize that God loves you, and though he's allowed things to happen in your life, they've only been there so that they point you to him so you'll trust him in everything that you do. Don't, trust, don't put that trust on the church don't put that trust on your pastor. Don't put that on your spouse. Don't put it on your kids. Don't put it on your, your, your neighborhood. Don't put it on your bank account. Don't put it on any of that stuff, but put it on God who says he's the one that, that can really do it for you and who has proven it over and over and over again. So the time's now. Love God with all your heart. Trust him. And seek him and allow him to be who he's proving himself over and over and over again to be. God, today we thank you for this account of knowing that, God, that through all of this, you just want us, you want us to get busy. Not just busy to be busy, but to be focused in on doing what it is that you have asked us to do. To not just talk about being a Christian, but to, to be one. To not worry about how weak we are and imperfect we are, but to think about how perfect you are and how strong we are when we focus in on you and allow you to be the strength that we lean on. And then God today to just know that it's just it's our heart that you desire. God, help us to trust you in, in every situation that we face. God, maybe it's a health situation that we just, we feel hopeless in. But God, we just need to give us over to you. And let you use our health situation to not bring us down, but God, to lift you up. 
God, that our financial situation isn't meant to bring us down, but it's to lift you up. That our marriage situation isn't to pull us apart and to to bring us down, but God, it's to, to allow you to be lifted up so that you pull us together. God, that our relationship with our kid that we've been struggling so much with isn't isn't about us walking away and it's not about us allowing that division to come in but God it's about trusting you more and allowing you to be what pulls us together but God when we seek you with all that we have with our, with our heart that God that's what you desire That God, if we as individuals seek you with all of our heart, God, that you'll, you'll do amazing stuff in us and through us. That God, if we will seek you as a church with all of our heart, that God, that you'll do amazing stuff with us. God, that if we'll seek you as a couple with all of our heart, that you'll do amazing stuff with us. We'll seek you with all of our heart as a family, God, that you'll do amazing stuff with us. But it all begins with where our heart really is. So God, today, for anyone that's in this place that maybe their heart isn't with you, they've never turned it over to you and just said, God, I, I know that my heart has been separated from you you've never been number one in my life God today I want to make you number one I want to accept the forgiveness that you offer for my sin the forgiveness that Jesus died on the cross for today I accept it and I want want you to live inside of me I want you to change me and and change my heart so that you are number one in it. God, for some of us that have made that decision, God, we've, we've been living it, trying to do it on our own. God, today, may we just give it back over to you and just trust you. So God, today I pray for, for people in this room that have been struggling. wondering why they're going through what they're going through, God. I pray today that they would just trust you. God, I pray for marriages in this room to be healed and to be strengthened. God, I pray for parents and children to have their relationships put back together and be strengthened. God, I pray for people that are struggling financially, God, to just be be able to focus on who you are and to bring that love of you into their finances, to be able to see you turn that around for them. Not that you're going to pour out money into their account, but God, if they'll spend it different, you'll you'll show them how to do more with what they have. God, for those that, I, I pray for those that are struggling physically in this place today, that are healing from surgeries and healing from, from cancer and healing from things. God, I pray that you would just pour yourself over them today. That you bring strength back, that you bring 
health back. God, I don't know what your plan is for each situation. I don't know what it is that you want to do today, but God, I, I just ask you to move freely. So God, in these next few moments together, God, may you just, you just show us what it is you want us to do. Maybe today, it's just for us to come and just give you whatever sin is in our lives. That we've not confessed it, we've pretended like it wasn't there, hoping it would go away, and it hasn't. And today, God, we just need to give it to you and let you have it. But God, I just pray that you'll move in this place, in Jesus' name. stand and worship with us. Blessed assurance Jesus is mine Oh what a foretaste of glory divine